Yeah, we can have them. You guys turn that on too. Can we turn on the uh, that mic just for a sec? We got to read a safe harbor at the beginning. Is that you guys turn that one on? Okay, thank you. All right, we're gonna get started. Um, thank you, everybody, for attending breakfast. I know some of us were out late last night, so really appreciate it. Um, we're super excited to have Ben Silverman from Pinterest here. Uh, this is Ben's first investment community keynote speech. So uh, again, we very much appreciate it. Jane's going to read a quick safe harbor, and then we'll get started. Thank you. Hi, everyone. Good morning. Thanks for having us. Uh, I just want to quickly cover the safe harbor. Uh, some of the statements that we made today regarding our business performance and operations may be considered forward-looking, and such statements involve a number of risks and uncertainties that could cause actual results to differ materially. For more information, please refer to the risk factors discussed in our most recent Form 10-Q filed with the SEC and available on the Investor Relations section of our website. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Jen. Ben, so I think maybe we could start off. Uh, a lot of folks here haven't seen you since the roadshow. We've heard you on the conference calls, which has been great. But you have a pretty non-traditional Silicon Valley background. You're from Iowa. Parents are doctors. So can you just give us a little background of how you kind of got here and, and you know how you how you came about uh, in terms of starting Pinterest? Sure. Um, yeah, yeah, as you mentioned, like I didn't, I didn't grow up in sort of the tech industry. Uh, my whole family are doctors, both my sisters, both my parents. So Thanksgiving's always a little bit, a little bit funny. They're like, how's that? How's the webpage going? Um, but yeah, I moved out here, uh, gosh, like uh, 13 years ago. Um, and I got a job at Google because um, I was really excited about the Internet. And um, after a couple of years, I decided I wanted to go out and do my own thing. And I tried a few things, but there was this theme that I kept coming back to, which is like, how do you how do you build tools that you know really help the internet uh, be easier to use for for, for regular people? Um, I'm a very visual person, and at that time, it's hard to remember. This is pre-iPhone, pre-mobile. Um, the internet was very text-based. Uh, everything was queried with with little keywords, and so I was really interested in that problem. Uh, and, and Pinterest was the product that came out of that, that curiosity and that interest. Originally, it was just this idea of how do you collect the things that you find online uh, and, and display them visually so other people can, can see them. But, but over time, it ended up being um, how do you discover things that you didn't even have the words to describe. Uh, and that's still a little bit of a guiding, guiding kind of uh, mission for the company today. Cool. And one of the things that's interesting about Pinterest is your core demographic, you have about 70% of uh, women, kind of younger, millennial. As you can see in this audience, this is not your core demographic, so this is an opportunity to pick up some new users. So maybe for, for, for those of us in the crowd that uh, don't use Pinterest regularly, can you just give us a quick overview of the basic value prop for both the user and the advertiser? Sure. Um, you know, Pinterest is a, is a tool that people use to get inspiration uh, to go do things in their life. Um, inspiration for what they want to wear, inspiration for uh, what they want their home to look like, maybe where they want to go on vacation or what they eat. Um, and the way, the way that it works for consumers is that you go through this feed on your phone of ideas, these beautiful visual ideas. You save the ones that are interesting to you. And then we've invested a ton of 
technology and personalizing that over time. So we can say if you like this recipe, you might like that one. If you like this style outfit, you might like a similar one. Uh, and then we try to connect you um, so you can actually take action on that. So for recipe, we connect you to the instructions and the reviews. Uh, for a product, we connect you to where you can buy it. Uh, and I think that's, that's actually pretty unique, that idea of being there just at the moment where you're starting to think about an idea, and that's the, the center of the value proposition for, for businesses as well. I mean, if you, talk to, if you talk to businesses, they have tons of tools to reach customers that have already expressed interest uh, in, what, in, in what, they're, what they're selling. So you can bid on your own keywords. Uh, if, if, you, if you use Google a lot, you'll literally bid on your brand name. Um, you can retarget people that have already visited your, your website. You can follow them like, around the Internet. <laughs> but for a retailer or for a business, the most valuable thing in the world is how do I catch somebody right at the very, very beginning when they haven't made up their mind yet, when they have this inkling that they want to do something or buy something, but they don't know which brand. And Pinterest is one of the very, very few places that offers that opportunity. Uh, and so that's the value proposition. And what's nice is they go, they go really well together. It's not like we have a property that, that we pay for with ads. Um, literally, if you're, if you're redecorating your home, you want to see the best and most beautiful products from retailers you trust at your price point right at the beginning. And you may not have the words to describe. You may not know those brands or name those products. Uh, and that's how the two parts of the business fit together. And you guys have, I mean, you're about nine or ten years old at this point. You have this kind of history of, of having kind of a unique um, corporate culture. You guys do things a little bit different than some other companies in Silicon Valley. So I guess for you as, as founder and CEO, how has this transition from, you know, quirky startup, uh, you know, kind of behind the scenes to now public company where you're having to deal with, you know, employees looking at the stock price, et cetera, like these new, these new uh, issues. How has that changed your, your process or, you know, your, your, your thinking about culture at the company? You know, we have a value um, at Pinterest that is very near and dear to me. It's called Put Pinners First. And what that value means is that everything we do has to start with solving a problem for a real person, right? Like, uh, I think companies fall into this trap where they start solving problems for themselves, and it's very subtle. Right? You know, it starts off like we want to we want to help people buy things, and then slowly that language can shift. It's like, well, how do we drive more transactions? But but people don't wake up and think, geez, like how do I help Pinterest drive more transactions? Like they wake up and think, like how do I how do I find things that I really want to make part of my life? So I would say that it's not new, but I put more energy into making sure that that's how people think about things because what's new about going public is. You know, every one of my employees can read more news about um, how uh, the financial community sees Pinterest, about how competitors see Pinterest, and it's kind of a close cousin, but it's not the same as how our regular consumers. So what do we do to do that? You know, um, you know, one, like every single product that we build, every single metric that we analyze, I ask the team, I need to tie it back to consumers' problem. Um, I take time out of my schedule every year to go meet with lots of users, and when I'm on those, it's not like a press tour, but I'll write up every night, like, these are the users, like, we'll take pictures of them, here are the problems that they, that they face. Um, we'll broadcast that through all the screens, because um, I, I just think that if we don't remain laser-focused on creating genuine value for, for our users and for the businesses that want to grow on Pinterest, there's a risk that, that the distraction of being public can, can diverge from that goal.
And you've been, you know, based on like stories like you just said in terms of like tapping into what the customers want, you've been more or less the, the symbolic figurehead of all the key product decisions at Pinterest historically, you and your co-founder, and you guys have described the app in, in you know, three broad services. There's search, there's home feed, there's related. So um, I guess as you look at those three big services, where do you see the most opportunity and, and how do you feel about where, where the product is today? Yeah, I mean, I think that we've made a ton of progress, you know, over the last the last few years, and some of them are really, really easy just to see in the numbers. Um, you know, when we started, we had a website, uh, and now the vast majority of our engagements on the phone. Um, up until a few years ago, we were U.S.-based. We broadened that out now to um, become a global company, um, and we, we see see a lot of opportunities still to grow. We're growing double-digit percentages in almost all of our international markets. But really from a consumer perspective, the way I think about it is I think about our mission. You know, we want to give people inspiration to go create something. And I think, what are we doing to improve each step along that way? So on the inspiration side, we're getting better and better at machine learning. We're getting better and better at computer vision. So showing people the image that will spark an idea and letting them go forward to it. And then moving them down the path to making it real. Um, and so if you used Pinterest three or four years ago to redecorate your home, for example, um, you'd see between search and home feed, um, images that were kind of relevant, but maybe not spot on. So that's become a lot better through improvements in machine learning. Um, if you wanted to save those and maybe uh, work with your partner or work with the decorator, you couldn't collaborate easily. Um, so we introduced those features. You couldn't organize your board into neat little sections. I know when you wanted to buy things, it was very unlikely that we would connect you to products that you could buy to let your price point. We're getting better and better at that. And, and my dream would be that um, in the future, that experience across every one of our major use cases just gets better and better, and it becomes the go-to destination from inspiration all the way through sitting in your new home or cooking that meal or going on that trip, uh, and we, we tackle every single problem uh, that a user faces uh, along that journey. You mentioned in the last uh, investor letter that you're working on or you're working through a redesign process. I think some people in the investment community hear redesign and they start getting all nervous based on what's happening with some of your peers. So I guess what, what, how is your redesign process different than maybe what's going on elsewhere and is this likely to be accretive to MAU growth, engagement growth, what metrics are you looking at? Uh, and then what, is it, what, what does the redesign mean in terms of advancing um, the international opportunity through localization? Yeah, it was funny. So, you know, at our last earnings call, I got so many questions about this redesign. And it was funny because I understood, you know, like, um, you know, Snap had a, had a tough experience. But, you know, my opinion is that consumer products have to be redesigned. Like, uh, you know, they have to constantly be being improved. Like, I don't know, I don't know anyone that, like, runs out to get, like, a three-year-old iPhone. You know, so, so you just have to keep advancing that. Um, but there's a, there's a way to roll it out, I think, that can be pretty, pretty rigorous. And we, we took that approach. You know, we didn't think of it as like a concept car where you pull like a white sheet off of it. We would design it around a user problem, and then each piece of it we'd roll out, uh, understand kind of subjectively and quantitatively what the impact of it was, uh, and then and then roll out those pieces. But many times make adjustments along the way. Um, there were there were a few kind of principal goals with the redesign. One was simplicity. Um, you know, as you build these products, you have these teams developing all these new features, but sometimes the sum of them 
can feel overwhelming to a user, and so we simplified, so the navigation is simplified. Um, the second is we made it more visual. Um, literally, the percentage of pixels that people see that are now dedicated to visual imagery are much, much higher. And then three is we opened up very clear spaces for us to build into, particularly to support things like shopping. Um, and, and people really need consistency in their products. Like everyone's had that experience where a product that you know and love, they change dramatically the way that you perform an action. It takes a long time to readjust. You know, as we want to make Pinterest a place where you can go buy products, we need to have consistent spaces that people mentally understand. Oh, like when I scroll down, I expect to see products. Products are indicated with a price point. Products are indicated with a color. Um, and so thinking through all of those details, um, those were a lot of the motivations behind why we did that redesign. And you guys have also talked about um, you know, the differences with the use case on Pinterest versus something like a search engine. Search engines are more like go in quick, retrieve data, whereas Pinterest is more of a lean back, kind of discover, uh, visual discovery platform. So as you look at those types of analogies, what does that mean for the commercial intent on Pinterest relative to something like Google that monetizes at a, at a massive rate? And, and what do you think that says about Pinterest's long-term monetization opportunity? Yeah, I mean, I think that if you compare Pinterest to something like Google, I, I think of Google like a, like a sniper rifle, right? Like super long queries, you're bidding against those very specific queries, so you're getting people right at the tail end. Um, and the beautiful thing about that, Google's an iconic company, is that there's a very short path between the query uh, and, and the transaction. But uh, the problem for that, if you think about it as yourself as a business, is by the time somebody knows like that long query, effectively the demand has already been generated. Like, effectively they already know about your product and it wasn't generated in that query, it was generated sometime before. And if you want to grow market share, if you want to get new customers, you have to figure out how to catch them before they even know the name um, of your brand, before they know the name of that product. And there are not structured tools at scale to do that um, besides Pinterest. Pinterest was designed from the beginning to help people answer that question, um, you know, what are you looking for if you can't describe it in words? Um, that's why it's been visual from day one. That's why our approach to discovery is not showing you one thing. It's about letting you move from thing to thing in a structured or semi-structured way. Um, that's why we give you time to consider it. And I think that potential is enormous. And I think that as more and more businesses feel the squeeze from Amazon, putting them into a marketplace and commoditizing um, their products, sometimes competing with directly, and from Google trying to build a decentralized marketplace and having you bid a higher and higher price on demand that you've already generated, they're hungry for solutions that enable them to generate new demand, and those solutions have to start with platforms that serve customers at that moment, when they're still thinking, when they're still open-minded. So on Pinterest, 95 plus percentage of our queries are unbranded. Right? So there are people typing in living room ideas, like gift ideas, workout ideas. Right? They're unbranded. And to me, common sense tells me that is the moment when you can influence somebody and turn them into a customer and then turn them into an advocate. By the time they're typing in like a 10-word query and they're price shopping, the demand is already there. And that's not without value but that upper funnel is deeply underserved, um, and we think Pinterest can be the best platform to serve it. That's a good segue to 
moving from product to maybe talking about revenue and the advertising business. So you guys, you founded the company in late 2009, uh, 2010 time period. Um, and the question we get often from the investment community is, you know, we're about 10 years old and we're now hitting about a billion in revenue. So uh, why did it take that long to get to a billion relative to some of your peers? And can you just talk about the ads organization that you built over time through that 10-year period? Yeah, I mean, the answer to why um, we started a little later in the journey has everything to do with the uh, um, investing kind of environment that we were in. So I left my job at the rock bottom of the recession, right? It took us like a couple years to raise our first half million dollars. Um, and we built, you know, a very lean team. Um, and then we were fortunate to have a moment where um, there was capital that was there in the market, and we invested that capital into building an excellent consumer experience. Um, and we put off a little bit um, the process of monetizing. And that would be different if you reran the experiment uh, and the environment was different, but that was the strategy that we took. Um, and I think it paid off, by the way. I think that we were able to be one of the very few companies um, in that generation that built a large consumer base around um, a functional utility, around a tool rather than a social, a social platform. But since then, um, obviously building an ad system that, that, that works really well has been a primary focus. And so it's been a focus organizationally. Uh, we built out that ads team. We brought in a whole bunch of new leaders. Um, you know, we brought in, uh, as of yesterday, kind of a new head of ads engineering. Um, we brought in new leaders in, in marketing. Um, we've obviously invested a lot on the technology side. Um, we built uh, something that started with very simple ads, like uh, visual display ads, sold at $15 flat rate. Now you can have multiple uh, creative types, you can have videos, uh, carousels, images, multiple bidding types. You can bid on clicks, uh, on conversions. It's all run through a real-time auction. Um, and I can expect us to continue to invest heavily because um, I think not only does it drive the business financially, uh, it makes the product itself a lot better for consumers. And one of the things you guys talked about on, on recent conference calls is how um, just the sheer number of advertisers that are on Pinterest relative to, you know, more mature peers like Google who's got over 10 million AdWords accounts and Facebook is like 7 million or something. So do you go out and talk to advertisers? I assume so. Uh, what pushback do you get, if any, from advertisers as to why they're not on, on Pinterest? and? And kind of how do you close that gap with some of the larger peers? Yeah, I mean, I spend time talking with, with advertisers. Um, and, you know, I'll tell you um, what they say we need to work on and what they say is working well. Um, in terms of the stuff that we need to work on, you know, one, um, people want kind of more and more controls in the ad managers themselves. So um, Pinterest, as we mentioned, you know, it's, it's, we've been building our ad platform for a few years. Uh, Facebook, Google, you know, they got well over a decade of experience. And so we're really trying to understand what are the, what are the essential features that can empower um, businesses of all sizes, uh, big and medium and small, to run these sophisticated campaigns. Uh, second is um, different advertisers measure in different ways, especially as you go internationally where the regulatory environment is different. And so we're building out a more robust set of measurement tools um, so advertisers can see and measure the value they get from Pinterest. Uh, and then the third um, is they want 
uh, prescriptive advice on how to um, make creative uh, the actual visual assets work well and how to make them quickly. And if you think about yourself from an advertiser perspective, you've got four or five platforms. They all have their idiosyncrasies and it takes time. And you've had 15 years figuring out how keywords work. You might have had uh, one or two months figuring out how pins work. And so we need to really help advertisers. So those are the things I need to, we need to make progress on. Um, in terms of the things that we hear are working well, I mean the first one that I pay attention to is we have a lot of advertisers that say they get great return on their ad spend. Um, and that's kind of the most important thing that I focus on because at the end of the day, I believe advertisers are rational actors. They will put money into the things that drive sales and we're hearing from more and more advertisers that they're getting extremely good return on ad spend. So that's one thing that's really positive. The second is that it's a different value proposition that's underserved in the market. Um, and it's a different environment. I think advertisers, especially the last two years, have become pretty sensitive about showing up in environments that are positive, that are inspirational, um, and we are investing a lot to make sure Pinterest stays that place and they can engage with customers um, in a way that they really want to. Like, uh, you know, people who sell things, you know, the way we think about it, we don't want to sell things for the sake of it, but people don't buy People don't buy wrenches for the sake of buying wrenches. They buy it because they want to achieve something in their life. And Pinterest is very special because it starts by letting people visualize what they want to achieve. Like this is how I want my home to look. This is how I want to look and feel at that event in that outfit. And then you go from that moment of inspiration, kind of the outcome, into the things that I have to buy. And so that's the last thing we hear from advertisers quite a bit. And you just mentioned return on ad spend. One thing you guys have talked about in the last year or so is that um, advertisers that are using the Pinterest tag for conversion tracking see a much higher return on ad spend and, and spend a lot more. So uh, I guess how big is the pool of advertisers that are using a tool like that? And as you look forward into 2020, are there things that you're, you're working on that the investment community could, could see that would you know, potentially move the needle for, for revenue like that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's a really good point, you know, to this idea that advertisers are rational. They'll spend what they get return on, and they'll get return on the things that they can measure. So our focus this year has been um, getting our tag adopted by advertisers, and we've focused a lot on third-party integrations, um, things like Google Tag Manager, WooCommerce, uh, Telium. I think that's a huge, huge opportunity. And if you think about it, you know, that tag is, is quite important because let's say you're buying a couch, if you don't have that tag, you really only have visibility into like that last click, but nobody, nobody impulse buys a couch. Right? No one's like, oh, that couch, same day, I'm gonna purchase it. That's a considered purchase, and the tag gives them some windows of visibility into there. So we still have a long way to go on Prowl. We've increased tag adoption you know, in order of magnitude, but um, there's still a lot of work to do there. And so in addition to those integrations, we're starting to think about how do we set up teams that can help advertisers make that integration, make sure it's implemented the right way, uh, make sure we can validate all that data, and then how do we help them interpret that data to our own kind of ads dashboards so it's really easy for them to see the connection between the ads they put in and the sales that it eventually drives. And you guys have been pretty early with retail, e-commerce, and CPG advertisers who make up you know, the vast majority of Pinterest revenue. Um, but as you look at other categories, non-endemic categories, uh, which ones are you most excited about for the future? And, and could any of you know financial services, telco, whatever, uh, move the needle the way that those first two move the needle? You know, there's been a great tradition with a bunch of emerging verticals, and actually some of them caught me by surprise. Um, 
you know, we've seen great traction in financial services, for example, but, you know, when we talk to users, if you're planning a kitchen remodel, financing that kitchen is part of the planning process, and so it makes a lot more sense to me. And honestly, I've never remodeled a kitchen, so it didn't, it didn't occur to me first, but that's what we hear from our users. Um, the other thing I would just point out there is we're still early in these massive verticals like CPG and retail. Um, you know, like, we're, we're really proud, you know, do uh, more to a billion dollars, but if you look at the size of those markets, they're enormous, and we're seeing it grow in, in, in a couple of different ways. You know, there are large advertisers where we've only penetrated a single one of their brands, and they've got 20, 30, 40 brands underneath. And then there's this huge torso of, of mid-sized businesses that we're just starting to build the, the products and the teams to go out and capture. Um, the reason that I'm excited about growing the number of advertisers um, is that the more advertisers we have, the more ads we have, and the way that you show people really relevant ads, it's not just about your selection algorithm, it's literally about how many ads you have in the system to select from. And so we think of growing the number of ads as kind of a core strategy to grow the relevance and thereby grow revenue um, in the system. While we're on the topic of, of retail, um, it's probably time for the last question here. Um, shopping is a topic that comes up often when we talk to Pinterest investors and, and some of your peers are working on inline shopping or, or in-app shopping. Uh, so you guys have tried this before and, and, and you know, I think it's in your roadmap to try it again. So can you just talk to us about what maybe was different from the first time versus today and how you view in-app shopping as a potential opportunity in the future. Yeah, so as you mentioned, like, I think shopping is a huge opportunity, and it's just logical. Right? You go through this process of visual discovery, you get excited, you're like, all right, I'm ready to buy. You want to be able to buy that thing. And so you know, our first foray into this was a few years ago, and we started with this checkout and transaction process. Built beautiful native checkout. You could use um, Apple Pay. You could use multiple payment providers. It was all one tap. We took the credit card information, we passed it securely, tokenized it, we handed it off to the retailer. And we learned something really important there. Um, one thing we learned was that, indeed, transaction smoothness is important, but before you get to the point of the transaction being smooth, you need a lot of inventory that's viable on time. And what we learned to that point of consistency in interface that I mentioned before, is that unless you can consistently show users that what they get inspired by can be bought, you can't habituate them to the behavior of tapping a buy button. So we refocused our efforts on a few areas, and the number one is, how do we grow the amount of relevant, high-quality inventory um, that we have in the system? And we've announced kind of catalog uploader as a tactic for that. You know, that grew 75% over the last quarter. Um, we've announced kind of an early partnership with folks like Shopify. But all of those are really about how much supply of great retail content do we have. Number two, uh, then we think about how do we show you the right thing at the right time. And part of that is powered by recommendations, but part of that is powered by our investments in computer vision. And so we invested years ago in being able to take a scene like this area and saying, what chair does that look like? What coffee table does that look like? And we've expanded that from just interiors into other verticals um, like fashion. And then finally, of course, the transaction matters. And we'll get back to that. Um, but we thought those first two things were kind of the precursors uh, to that. And so I've been really excited about it. You know, as I mentioned, as we redesigned the service, part of the impetus was to create more spaces uh, for um, those consistent retail experiences on Pinterest. 
Um, but I think it's just going to make the consumer experience so much better, um, and it's going to make the value proposition for businesses that want to reach those customers at the moment of inspiration um, that much clearer. So I'm excited about that um, as a future growth area for the business. Great. With that, I think we're done. Thanks a lot, Ben. Thank you. Appreciate it. Awesome.